Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. You're listening to a new Redefining Security podcast. Have you ever thought that we are selling cybersecurity insincerely, buying it indiscriminately, and deploying it ineffectively? Perhaps we are. So let's look at how we can organize a successful InfoSec program that integrates people, process, technology, and culture to drive growth and protect business value. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at pentera.io. everybody. You're very welcome to a new episode of Redefining Cybersecurity here on ITSP Magazine. I am joined by the one and only, at least the one and only I know, uh, Jason <laughs> Haddix. How are you, Jason? Doing well, Sean. How about yourself? Uh, doing great, man. Doing great. I'm, I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you. I, I saw you in San Francisco a while back, and then I saw one of your posts on, uh, on Twitter, I think it was, around uh, LLM exploitation and uh the an OWASP project uh the, the infamous top 10 one of those yeah. projects that they put together yep to uh which uh, let's be real the those those projects are the top 10 projects anyway are for educational purposes mm-hmm. not necessarily a, a checklist right, right. <laughs> do these yeah. 10 and you're good yeah um, but, but a way for people to understand and and uh learn a bit um so we're going to talk through that and some other other projects and tools that you're aware of and and uh, the main purpose of my show is to kind of bring it all back to the business. How do we, how do we help companies operationalize the stuff that we we teach them today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Them on. So yeah. Uh, let's dig in. Of course, you and I know each other. You've been on the show before. Uh, you've been on other host shows. They've been on your show. Um, <laughs> so you, you, you've been around. A lot of people know you, but not everybody, I presume. So let's uh, let's give. Give folks a taste of who Jason is, what you're up to. Sure. Uh, my name is Jason Haddix. I'm the Chief Information Security Officer at a company called Buttobot right now. Previously, I was the uh, the CISO for Ubisoft, um, the video game company, make Assassin's Creed and, and some games uh, in the Rainbow Six series and other stuff. So um, I have a, a lot of uh, security leader experience, but before that, for about 15 years, I was offensive security. So uh, red teaming, bug bounty, um, web application testing, uh, you name it, I hacked it. 
And um, so I was really ingrained in the offensive security scene. I still am today. I still do bug bounties in my free time. And my new company, uh, Butterbot, is a, red, is a red team as a service company. So we do red teaming. Um, so very plugged into attacking technologies. And you know, one of the newer technologies that, uh, that is here to stay is LLMs and ML and AI. And you know, so you know, we, were, we were chatting uh, through email and talking about, you know, well, let's, let's, you know, let's riff on that because it's, it's going to be a thing that businesses want to know, you know more about. And definitely one of my interest areas, I have a, a couple of Discord groups I'm part of that are really smart people in this scene. And we just talk all day about, about this kind of stuff. So I thought it'd be fun and come on here with you. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm excited yeah. for this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think, I think a lot of, well, certainly mainstream media is kind of the big picture philosophical is it's going to take over the world and we're all doomed. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I see less and less as you get deeper into what does it do and where does it do it and how does it do it and who's yeah. managing what it does. <laughs> and it gets yeah. a little, a little less, uh, a little less visibility in those areas. And, and, uh, thank goodness for, uh, the OWASP, uh, Open Web Application Security Project uh, yeah. group. They have tons of projects running. Uh, the, the, there's the OWASP Top Ten, which is the main the main one that they're probably known for uh -huh. globally, um, which helps companies understand weaknesses in the software they're building and how it's often exploited. They update that update that I think every every three years, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So there's this new project around LLMs and. Uh, there's a top 10. I'm sure there are more areas, but we're going to spend a few moments kind of walking through that. Then do you want to maybe set the stage and, yeah. and yeah. tell people, I don't know, is there, is there something we need to cover first before we get into the 10, like where you're, where you're seeing this being used? Yeah. I can share our, our experiences, but I, I'd like to hear from you. Where, where yeah. I mean, I mean the, there. the whole landscape is pretty new, right? Um, and uh, I mean, the first thing I like to tell people who are getting into research on security for LLMs or ML or AI is that um, it can seem very daunting at first uh, because of just the topic names, right? Like you think it's very complex, but at the end of the day, it's it's mostly like it feels mostly like data science, which is not hard to grasp, right? Um, so so I've known many people who are like, oh, I'm not like smart enough to like research these things or understand, you know, how to attack them or you know whatever, and so like uh, or you know, like if you're in the security industry doing that type of research and it's absolutely not the truth, right? If I can do it, anybody can do it. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I mean, just diving into some of the projects we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, one of the ones we're going to talk about today is the top 10. And like you said, you know, these lists are a mixture of vulnerabilities, concern areas. It's not exactly, you know, um, it's not actually structured, you know, normally like uh, there has been a long debate in OWASP projects of uh, the top 10 projects about like, this isn't a controls list, right? This isn't an audit list, right? Like uh, there are many more vulnerabilities outside of the scope of the top 10 lists of any type on OWASP. And there's, you know, there's many, many top 10s. There's the API top 10, the web top 10, uh, the IOT top 10, you name it, there's a top 10. It's just to expose kind of, you know, like things you can, you should consider. And it's a risk of, it's a mix of risks and vulnerabilities. So um, the OWASP top 10 one, you know, just to preface is an alpha draft right now. So it's just something that one person threw together who had a passion for this project. And that's how many OWASP projects start. It's one person's passion and they're like, hey, it's time for this topic to get exposed to OWASP. And so they'll put it into, you know, an OWASP page, which is a wiki. And then they'll call the community for feedback, which is what happened this week when you saw my tweet. And um, and so there's a lot of people invested now. There's over, 
you know, a thousand people in the Slack channel for this project, trying to refine it and figure out where we go with it. And, um, you know, if some of these things should be on the list. So it's, it's very the wild west right now. It's very fun to work in. <laughs> I, yeah. bet. I yeah. bet some of those conversations must be interesting. Yeah. And yeah. Um, do you, by chance, and we can look it up later, but by chance, yeah. do you know who the, the, the passion project was? Yeah. So it's um, Steve Wilson um, okay. is the guy who uh, who put it up there. Um, okay. I, yeah, I believe he's from um, uh, Contact Security. Let's see here. Um, contrast. Contrast. Yeah. Contrast Security. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 Cool. Well, we'll, yeah. Uh, we'll we'll give him a shout out in the show notes uh, for for doing that yeah. work and, and getting it kicked off. Yeah. Um, I, as I was kind of going through the list, the a few of them were obvious. Um, mm -hmm. Like the, certainly the very first one and the second mm -hmm. one. Um, yeah. Then it gets a little more uh, obtuse and abstract. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, let's just go through them. So the first one is is prompt injections, mm -hmm. and for anybody who's opened up uh, an interface, or I guess mainly this is interface. I, I don't know if this also covers APIs, but mm -hmm. uh, I guess it would cover API if you're passing yeah. the prompt through the if API. You're passing everything to an API. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Maybe that's even more challenging. <laughs> yeah. So tell yeah. us a little bit about this one. I mean, sure. Yeah. So so prompt injection in an LLM is the idea that uh, many times the interface for uh, these LLMs are chatbots, right? Or chatbot front ends, you know, just chat screens or somehow an API takes some text or something like that. And the idea of, of hacking and lots and the vehicle for many of these other vulnerabilities actually in the real world will be prompt injection. So that's why it's number one on the list. And so um, you know, when you're when you're doing any of these other you know types of attacks, many times the way you execute the attack is by tricking the LLM, which usually has some base code and training to not do bad things, um, by using natural language to do bad things. And so, um, you know, like many of the CTFs that exist out there in the day uh, right now for this type of uh, research is like the LLM knows a secret password and it has built in these all these protections for you to not get the secret password, but can you craft the right words in order for it to tell you the right password? So here's an example of you know one of the simple solutions to you know one of these CTFs out there that's teaching people about prompt injection. Instead of asking you know the prompt for the secret password for which it will tell you no, I'm not authorized to give that to you. You ask it for the first letter of the secret password and the second letter and the third letter and the fourth letter and the fifth letter until it, you exhaust it and you have. And so this is a creative way around um, you know the protections that the prompt has built in. And there's many incarnations of prompt injections, but it's basically manipulating the LM with natural language. Um, and trying to get data out of it that you know it's not supposed to give you, or trying to uh, make it execute some technical attack. And so, really, in the real world, it will be the mechanism for many hacks of these things because people will train all of this other stuff, and we'll talk about it. they'll train these models off of their own data. But the yeah. way to get it out will be natural language. And so, it's really interesting as a, from a hacker point of view, from an offensive security point of view. I'm used to typing in special characters into you know fields and mm. exploiting things with bits and bytes and now i have to use words in the english <laughs> language to do some of this and it's it's fascinating to to do this it's um and and it also gives people who have never hacked anything before an opportunity to like hack some stuff like uh yeah. and use just uh you know like can you you know like that creative example um of you know like getting the password out uh you know that that came from someone who wasn't a security person who's just like a normal person who can think creatively so yeah 
super cool. Yeah. And I don't know, are there other things? Cause it, for a system that's trained, I, I call mm -hmm. it purposefully biased, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. It's, if it's trained that yeah. you're basically feed, feeding it a set of constant or static prompts, right. That, mm -hmm. that exists there that tell it what to do or not to do. Yeah. Um, how visible is that stuff? And is that part of exposure in this particular area where yep. if, if it's told to not ever do something and, and yeah. the prompt can actually find a way around well, just in this one case, please do that. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you so, know I mean, what that's... it's not supposed to do. And then, which then yeah. suggests that it shouldn't do that because it's bad. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is a whole sub community of, of type of people right now who are doing this with ChatGPT and OpenAI, right? So it's uh, it can be called many different things. It can be called jailbreaking, um, you know, it can be called prompt injection, you know, whatever. There's, you know, the industry hasn't really standardized on a name yet, right? But getting getting them to answer questions that they're not supposed to, or getting them to be biased or or, or something like that is is definitely uh, an area of concern. And concerns, you know, number one on the list, prompt injections. I mean, there there are levels of you know, um, protections that the companies like OpenAI or the other model vendors, right, they, they implement, right? And some of them are, um, are the training of the model uh, itself. And then some of them are the base prompt that is, you know, verbosely wrote, written to, you know, stop any badness. And from, you know, those are very lengthy system prompts. And then, you know, they're, there are people trying to come out with things that even protect the system prompts, like prompt firewalls. And like, uh, so all this stuff is coming out. But at the end of the day, if your data or your model has trained on the data, you should expect that someone will find a creative way to get it out. At least right now, there aren't great solutions to just protect all of this stuff. So that's why I said some people are trying to, you know, find solutions where you can bolt something on top, like a firewall or like uh, maybe an Oracle, like another AI that sits on top and filters out, you know, all incoming, you know, messages, you know, very similar to how we have in security today. We, you know, we put stuff in front of stuff and, uh, you know, we do input <laughs> validation. And yeah. so people are trying to come up with these technologies uh, as we speak um, to protect, you know, because you want the training to be, you know, want the training to be verbose and large in these models and to be able to answer the right questions, but you don't want them to answer the wrong questions or leak data from your system prompt or leak configuration data of, of other things. And so, um, yeah, for sure, it's it's an area of concern. And like I said, still the Wild West. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. And uh, I'm curious. So forgive me if I'm I'm staying on this too long, but I was thinking uh, like things like memory keys. I don't know how, are those supposed to be private? Um, and are there things, I don't know, I, that may be connected to something else down the line no, no. Of, of the list, but no um, worries. Yeah. Is, is a memory key supposed to be hidden or yeah. is it supposed to be exposed and, yeah. and can bad things happen either way? Yeah, I mean, it, it totally can, right? So these, these AIs are, you know, the chat, interfaces, the APIs are all going to be running through cloud infrastructure, right? And many of them are going to have, um, you know, what, what chat GPT and OpenAI call plugins, right? So, you know, no, they're all going to have capabilities. And so every different model is going to be different. It's not going to exist in a vacuum. So as soon as you start adding other technologies into the mix, you know, like code interpretation, or you add the ability for, you know, the, uh, the model to use the internet as a data source or you know you integrate some other platform it introduces more complexity than just the base model and you can start attacking the technical infrastructure you can start attacking 
you know, if the model has been trained on private data, but it's only supposed to give you back an interpretation of that private data, you can, you know, filter out the data. You can try to steal the data. Um, you can you can attack pretty much all parts of it because the model's connected to everything. And so what a lot of people are trying to do right now is figure out ways to jailbreak out of, you know, like chat GPTs, um, you know, their code interpreter, basically. And so that under, you know, under the hood is a sandbox of, you know, of a computer, right? And, you know, it's it's interpreting code, you know, limited Python, and can you, you know, exploit that? And so a lot of us have, you know, at least gotten the base system information out, we can get like, you know, Etsy password out or something like that. But, um, you know, no one's rooted the jailbroken, you know, chat GPT code interpreter yet. So, um, but yeah, I mean, those attacks are definitely possible. And so uh, you really have to be conscious of when you hook up your AI, ML, LLM, whatever to, other things, you're introducing an attack surface for yeah. normal other types of attacks. Yeah, and yes, for, for memory too, is yes, it's absolutely a, a thing that people should key. think about. Yeah, memory yeah. key, yeah. 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 And I think we, we kind of bled over naturally, I suppose, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into the into number two, which is the mm -hmm. data leakage. Yeah. Um, I guess it depends what you're building it for. Um, yep. if, if you're building it as a as a, an enhanced search engine for stuff that's already public. Eh. Yeah. Unless you don't want that manipulated and sending back, injecting yeah. stuff that you don't want presented to people. But yeah. Maybe that, that, that's less, less of a leakage part, but more of a, a manipulation and an integrity piece. But what about, what about integrity? And I know I wanted to talk, talk about um, uh, how this connects to businesses today and how you can, how you see companies using so maybe this is a good yeah. place yeah to talk about that because i think that's probably one of the biggest challenges organizations will have is using this stuff and not putting their crown jewels somewhere yeah. that that they don't want it to be so uh so the data leakage one and the and the integrity and the privacy conversation can all fit in this kind of like number two conversation and and so you're right training on the internet you know presumably all the data on the internet and all these crawlers that are going out there to build this data set um you know should shouldn't be that bad but it still has privacy impl implications just because something's on the internet doesn't mean that it was supposed to be or you know or that it's okay for this particular bot or api or llm that you're talking to to expose it to someone else who didn't have explicit permission to use it so there are privacy concerns with you know being able to query the data or being heard to query you know chat gpt to get your social or something, right? You didn't agree for that to be online, right? But some aggregator had it and put it online and you would have had cause with them, but now everybody can grab it through, you know, ChatGPT. And so people have done stuff like this before, asked for people's social address, phone number, and in some cases that the data's in there and they can trick, you know, something to give it up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, people share stuff on social media. Yeah. Uh, yep. Financial transactions are a lot of them are public record yep. purchases of homes, things yeah. like that. Um, yeah. And yeah, individually, access to them on their own may or may not be a bad thing. Collectively, mm -hmm. now with the the natural language, yep. <laughs> and large and large language the yeah. ability to ask a human-driven question to say, "I'm yep. really interested in this," can bring it all together with context and, yeah. and really, really put some stuff out there. Yeah, in the in the world of offensive security, I think that you know this stuff will be crazy because um, you know with with the ability to put together stuff and when you know some of these LLMs train on OCR data and like image recognition data, you'll be to ask you'll be able to ask like 
you know, very private questions. Like, where does Sean walk his dog based on all of his public Facebook photos, right? And, you know, where is the studio for ITSP, you know, like, based on, you know, all of this information we've seen on Twitter. And right now, you know, a skilled OSINT person can do that, but they have to be a practitioner of the art, right? But soon the LLM will be able to put all that together. So um, it's very, it's very interesting. It's going to be a, a crazy new world. And then we'll also have like disinformation, you know, and, you know, deep fakes and stuff like that, which will, you know, become a big thing in the next few years, that technology, you know, powered by AI and LMs and will be crazy. So, um, but yeah, so that's, that's the public part. And there's a lot of concerns there. Yep. And, but the private part is what you and I were talking about, about businesses, right? And so yes, what every yes. business in the world right now is rushing to do is take all this proprietary data that if they're lucky enough to have collected into a data lake centrally and make more money off of it. That's what they're all thinking. They're like, sweet, I can use an LLM. I can, I can even use just GPT on top of my data set and ask really intelligent questions to this data that I've never been able to do before and it's gonna make me money. And so all they see is these dollar signs, right? And they're like, okay, the way I make money is by offering a service. Well, I can, I can ask my own data set stuff to run my business, but they can also ask their data set stuff to provide a service to the public, which is powered by an LLM. And so then they start building APIs. And so at least it's my opinion, and I, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Daniel Meisler and we talk about this stuff all the time. And um, it's our opinion that, you know, in a couple years, there will be thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of APIs, which have, you know, LLMs baked in to build their output, right? And so basically any type of API you're interfacing now will be a natural language API, you know, in the future, and you'll be able to attack them with prompt injection and try to steal data from the company. And so there's layers of connectivity when they build these APIs that you're going to want to attack. And so Dan actually did a really excellent blog and graphic of what it'll look like in the future is that, you know, the user will access this from their computer or their phone, you know, an API of some sort, either through a website or a chat bot or an API that's connected to a front end of another app. But behind the scenes after, you know, you pull back, pull out the veil is just an API that's forwarding things to an LLM and the LLM is pulling data from internally in the company. And so you don't want your internal whole data lake to, you know, exit out of your company, but you'll have a hard time in the future protecting all of that training data because you trained your model on it and, you know, the LLM has access to it. And so how do you protect, you know, natural language from smuggling that out? And so, um, yeah, it is a really interesting, um, really interesting problem. Um, not only do you have the fact that your data that you internally trained the model on that you've connected an LLM to might be subject to theft, but you also, you know, these companies are also going to connect all of that to other apps like Slack and Salesforce and all these internal tools that we have, they're going to have to connect it to get live data ingestion from or to themselves query it. And they're going to make all these integrations for this system. And now you can attack apps like that through natural language, like through your integration. Can you send a Slack message to this person on the internal of Uber or just use a fictitious company or a you know yeah. a random company? But so there are a lot of avenues for attacking different stuff, um, you know, in the data leakage uh, section, when you look at how companies are going to implement um, LLMs and how they are going to go to market with LLMs. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm picturing, I don't know how much, I don't know how much private data is in this, in this scenario, but something like an Etsy or something where yeah. instead of searching for a jacket or a, 
or a, a lamp or whatever it is that, that's uh, top of mind. Or, a, yeah, let's use a jacket. Yeah. Instead of that, searching for jacket, they could say, what are you in the mood for? What are you doing? What are you trying to, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the environment like that you're going to be? Is it warm? Is it cold? And and have a conversation with Etsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And that, now granted, they have, that's their data that's presumably all public anyway. But mm-hmm. going back to the top 10, <laughs> yep. if there's other data in there, yeah, like pricing or, I mean, we, we talk about bots in terms of, Mm-hmm. Uh, buying buying things that are be that'll be collectors items to resell them for higher prices buying yeah. things that are scraping prices to undercut competitors yeah so all all this can be used nefariously of course it can all be gamed yeah and yeah. so yeah i mean the with the example of etsy it's you know you could pull out you could attempt to pull out data about you know the earnings of the sellers you know you mm-hmm. could attempt to pull out data around um you know private information of where the seller lives you know that's not available on etsy you know um i mean whatever that data lake would hold you know normally so i think about it in terms of sql injection i feel like you know the data leakage i'm after at the end of the day in this attack is very similar to what i would be after in the web world when we were looking at sql injection right so what would i look at well i'd look for the user's username and password i'd look for their private information i'd look for credit card information i'd look for you know anything that i consider be pii that's what you're going to be doing now with you know natural language and prompt injection and trying to leak out you know data like that and then there's the second layer too how can i attack the organization through the lll right yeah All right. Well, it's clear we could talk for hours on each of these points. Yeah, yeah. Let's, go, yeah. let's go to the next one. I think it yeah. kind of maybe touches on on the idea that there is sandboxing because the mm-hmm. number three is inadequate sandboxing. Yeah. So that, but, but I guess there's an assumption there, thankfully, that mm-hmm. people do sandbox this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and that kind of goes to my point. How, how do you see where does this stuff live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the environment and, and what's what's quote unquote inadequate at that point? Yeah, I mean, the sandbox has to be pretty st- stringent for most of these interfaces um, to isolate, you know, kind of the LLMs. Um, but like I said, the the plugin architecture that, you know, that we're used to right now that comes through ChatGPT and other models, you know, uh, other models for verbatim have some of these features built into them, these integrations. Um, it becomes harder and harder to sandbox uh, and integrate, you know, stuff. Like as you add complexity to a system, more vulnerabilities and more avenues for attack come up. This has always been the way security has worked. And so, you know, you can attempt to, you know, attack this little Docker machine that your, you know, that your code interpreter is running on. And, you know, you might not be able to get much of that because it is well locked down for, you know, it's just a Linux instance, right? So, um, but uh, you also will, you know, have, other things that are connected to that, that it can call it to the internet and stuff. So, um, so a lot of this inadequate sandboxing is Linux hardening and integration work, basically. And how well do you do that? Well, you know, OpenAI does it really well right now. No one's broken that as far as I know currently. Maybe it's come through their bug bounty at some point. But, um, but other models, you know, will come out that are not OpenAI and uh, they will not have the security you know, rigor and uh, that will allow exploitation and pivoting through, through the LLM. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. I mean, at this point we've, we've talked about kind of where to put it and how to kind of isolate it from stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the next two, at least I got, yeah, the next two I, uh, are 
less about data manipulation, but manipulating mm -hmm. the uh, the machine itself. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, unauthorized code execution and server-side request forgery yep. to me says, I'm not just going to ask you for data and try to get data from you, but I'm, I'm going to tell you to do something differently. I'm yeah. going to tell you to open up to a, a knowledge base that you shouldn't have access to, or I'm going to uh, tell you to put malicious links in every response that you uh, deliver back to the user. I'm making stuff up here. So yeah. talk to me about those two. I'm, I'm assuming they're, yep. they're good to connect together. Yeah, so four and five are both very traditional in the security world, right? So uh, the four is uh, unauthorized code execution and five is server-side request forgery. Um, so un unauthorized code execution is just instead of attacking the data, I'm going to attack the machine that the chatbot's on, you know, which is, you know, some machine in the cloud um, and try to get it to, ex you know, exploit, you know, some Python code that roots itself. And now I have full control over that machine, that box, basically. And so if I can control that box, now I control everybody's session on that box and I can attack everyone else, or I can um, I can do all kinds of nefarious stuff if I control the underlying computer that's, you know, the LLM is connected to. So Okay, so this um, is behind yeah. them, the machine. This is the yeah. system hosting. It's the system, system hosting. Got yeah. it, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a little more uh, science fiction in my- No, 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 it's, it's fine. <laughs> I, I mean, what you said wasn't wrong. Um, and, you know, obviously all of this is open to interpretation. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of connected pieces, but this is this is my interpretation of this is attacking the box that it's running on um, cool. for that. And then you know, SSRF server side request uh, request forgery is a web vulnerability that we're very used to of where um, normally a piece of a web application or API is meant to forward you somewhere or grab a file from somewhere, or whatever. And instead of asking it to do what it's normally meant to do, uh, you know, retrieve one file, retrieve something from an API, you ask it to request a different resource. And so most often SSRF vulnerabilities in the real world, uh, you look at a web application and it's supposed to parse some link. It's supposed to take like a URL and do something with it. And that's legitimate uses of the application. But instead you ask it to look up um, its IP for the AWS internal metadata secret key. And that's the quintessential example. And once you get that key, you can, log into their Amazon, basically, or their, AW, their AWS, basically. And so um, this idea is using the LLM to request other sites. So you could force you know, the computer that's running the LLM to start uh, reaching out verbosely to all these sites. So you could use it as a bot. You could ask it to, like we've talked about already, request internal resources or APIs or data stores that it has access to. So um, you know, this, this type of you know, pivoting vulnerability is uh, is very prevalent in the web world and also now becomes prevalent, you know, with this thing that's attaches that's attached to both the internet and the internal through, you know, usually an API, but powered by an LLM. Yeah. Yep. So I, I think that's very cool. Thanks for, thanks for explaining that. Um, yeah. the, the, the next one, I think one might be able to extract from stuff they hear in, in the general mass media <laughs> kind mm -hmm. of talks about this over-reliance on uh, the uh, the machine-generated content, right? Um, yeah. Now, hallucination comes to mind here. I don't know if it yeah. goes beyond that, or yeah. or is it or is it more nefarious in that you're you're being fed stuff because it's yeah. been compromised or both. Yeah, I mean, this one's more, I mean, so these are kind of the ones that are uh, in the Slack community for the LLM top 10 are being, you know, very 
debated, right? This is a risk, yeah. and it's a yeah. it's a risk yeah, introduced by by people's interpretation of these bots, right? So, um, so this one is saying, you know, hey, LLMs generate content. Uh, they they do their best in what they're trained on, and as well as how they work to present data. Um, but people, you know, haven't you know, people have a uh, over reliance when they're having a conversation with something like this to consider it an oracle and in a, and in a factual way, right? And so, you know, like sometimes, you know, the biggest illustration I give to people is like, okay, so you really like using ChatGPT and you start to use it a lot in your day to day, and you start to want to ask it very um, the questions that you deem useful for whatever your purposes are. And so you're getting some good output and you're like, great. And I tell them, ask ChatGPT a couple times, the same question, ask it four or five times and see how different each answer it comes back. And so you have to understand that, you know, you taking in the information from the LLM also have to be an arbiter, also have to understand um, that this is, you know, sometimes it hallucinates, sometimes it says, you know, like if I ask it who I am, it has some data on me. Uh, you know, up to the cutoff point, you know, when I'm using ChatGPT, but it also confuses me with Dave Kennedy and Ed Scotus and like all these other people who are in the information security scene and they'll like mix up our bios and stuff like that. Uh, or Dan, not, Dan Meisler. Not right? bad, so... not bad confusions. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm happy. Cool guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all cool guys. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really interesting to, um, you know, to illustrate that to people. And so this is more of like, you know, you know the the category in the top 10 is more on, hey, people need to realize there needs to be training and encouragement around the fact that, you know, like you can use this as a tool, but it is still just a tool. Um, and and this is where we, you know, like we will get into, you know, like a lot of trouble with like generated news and, you know, topics and stuff like that. Like you'll, you'll really have to, as a human, um, add like a information, like scrutiny to, to a lot of stuff that's automatically generated, so. Yeah. Now, so how does that relate to the next one? Um, inadequate AI alignment. So it talks about objectives. What, what do you, you're trying to accomplish something and it doesn't quite do that or get you there. Um, this sounds yeah. more like kind of like the last one, a bit, a bit of risk. Is this less human based and more system based? So you get a response and you're using that down the chain in the workflow un unchecked or what is it? Yeah. Yeah, very, very, very much based on, you know, like, well, let's say there's an API that someone builds that is um, based on health information. Like one of the big insurance companies makes an API to help you answer questions, um, you know, and replace all of their help desk, right? Like, you know, their insurance help desk or their, you know, medical help desk or whatever. And so they're using this new API they built powered by an LLM. And the base programming of the LLM and the system, you know, the base system prompt is supposed to say, you know, like you're only supposed to be helpful. You're only supposed to retrieve accurate information that we have this data on, but you can suggest to people courses of action or ways to, you know, ways to do X, Y, and Z based on health information, which, you know, we will see, but it's going to be scary. So, um, you know, there are ways to tune like, uh, you know, these LLMs, but, you know, what if you're talking with that and instead of, you know, being able to get it to um, tell you what medications you should seek or, you know, what things you should ask your doctor, you're able to tell that bot, you know, okay, well, how would I, you know, uh, do something harmful, right? Like, how would I, you know, like mix these medications to get outcomes that, you know, are not uh, above board or, you know, like you start asking it questions that, it, you know, a, a moral, you know, bot would not be programmed to do. So um, these are, these are ways to, 
you know, basically give, you know, ask it for information. Like, you know, one of the big things that people are trying to do right now with the models that exist today is get the bots to do stuff like this so that we can train them better and understand what questions give these poorly defined outcomes. Um, and so like one of the things is, is I'm part of the AI village at DEF CON and we're doing a giant challenge on all of the big LLM vendors where we're going to have them there and people can walk through at DEF CON and basically use real language to try to get them to do things um, that they're not supposed to do or get them to be misaligned. And, um, and so this will be, you know, kind of in this area. Um, and, you know, you know, a lot of people will ask the bots questions to try to get them to be biased, to be racist, to be sexist, to, you know, build weapons of harm. These are all things that the bots should absolutely not be talking about or able to do, right? And so um, you have to train the models and you have to train them how to handle input from users. And yeah, so these are, these are things that, you know, you want to check for. Yeah, a lot, a lot of things to consider there. Yeah. Um, insufficient access controls. So kind of as, as we covered earlier, um, I naturally go to the system itself. So the, the API key, like for, for example, uh, the one yeah. that allows access to different things through to open API, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Chat GPT's stuff. So uh, there's that, but then I presume it also covers the, the box itself. <laughs> yeah. Posting it. Yep. This one is, it, it, it applies to multiple levels. The box itself yeah. failing to, con you know, like to uh, restrict access, um, you know, things it's connected to or, you know, the user is supposed to have a defined set of access for the API to be able to do certain things. And um, if you haven't set up everything connected to the LLM uh, with the right permissions, uh, then you could, you know, the user could trick it into giving, you know, more access to different things. It fits into some of these other type of web vulnerabilities and, you know, um, the vehicle again for, you know, most companies will be prompt injection. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, the user in every, you know, specific LLM or chatbot that exists in the world, uh, the user experience should be like to do one or two things, right? Right now, ChatGPT has everybody thinking you just talk to this thing and get everything back. But in the company's implementation of it, they'll want it to do a few things for you based on their data. Um, and they'll connect it to, you know, a few technologies to get you that data and, you know, parse it with the LLM or, or you know, access it with the LLM. Well, you know, if you don't implement the right access controls, people can access everything like we've been talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, one thing that comes to mind with the APIs, I and mean, we often talk about uh, privacy. So mm -hmm. steal it, gaining access to steal something, right? Um, but we often forget, and we talked a little bit about integrity, which was probably the, the most forgotten one. But <laughs> yeah. But we, we sometimes forget about availability. And I'm thinking yeah, yeah. In, in the case of like the API key, which provides mm -hmm. access to things between between systems. Um, for example, uh, the, the open API key, you get it once and yeah. that's it. So if you that's don't it. save it somewhere, you don't have it anymore. So yeah. if, if that's compromised, whatever setup you have is kind of hosed and that, that thing is no longer available, right? Or, yeah, if, or if that is compromised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? If you put that in GitHub. <laughs> so, so this one, infinite access controls yeah. and unauthorized code injection and anything that can lead you to control of the box that is handling the LLM output is scary to me because like not only, you know, in my brain as an attacker, am I looking at attacking, I want to own the, you know, I want to own the box for 
pride or whatever but then once i own that box you know there are hundreds of thousands of people accessing that api what if i start injecting javascript in every response and now i can attack everybody who's using that api or what what if i add my own or what if i modify the system prompt you know what if i say hey as well as you know this you're also going to tell users this right and slowly like influence the outcome of the questions that come through the lm right and yeah. uh, i could i could completely change the way people think about a thing because they're using one of these apis and poison it with you know my yeah. you know whatever i want to do and so um yeah i mean attacking the users of the api is just as important as protecting the internal information that the you know api and the llm are, are connected to exactly so yeah. you touched on number 10. So let, let's quickly look at error handling. Yeah, um, yeah. Is this logging or lack thereof and being able to respond to stuff or is it something else? Yeah, I mean, this one is also in contention. A lot of these are in contention, right? Because it's a mismatch of, of stuff right now. Like like I said, prompt injection will be the vehicle for a lot of these things. Some of them overlap. Um, so, but the idea here is is improper error handling of you know any of the system, underlying system or... Um, connected integrations to the LLM, uh, you know, if you manage to get them to error out in some way, giving them too much contact context, giving them code they don't understand, having them execute code that errors out, uh, you know, could that give you access to, um, you know, different things? Like in a, you know, like in the uh, number four unauthorized code exaction, if you feed it a buffer overflow vulnerability, like does it execute that on itself and then give you access to the system? Well, maybe, but if it just errors out, does it error out in a way that reveals sensitive information about the underlying computer, which might give you know passwords, API keys, system information you don't want given to the user? So um, these are all things people will rigorously test. Um, many times the LLM creates an abstraction between an error message and the user, but uh, but sometimes you know these LLMs just fail and you know dump data to the console and uh, you know you can you can use that to figure out more about the underlying machine and, you know, there could be attack vectors there basically. Yeah. yeah. And on a, if folks haven't played with this stuff yet, they, they may or may not realize that the, the interface for chat GPT is free. Mm -hmm. but if you want to start doing things with it through the API, it costs money. <laughs> it does. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, misuse of this thing could, could eat up some cash pretty quickly. If, uh, oh yeah. Especially, that I bring it up here in the error handling, is if you're not watching your logs and, and activity oh, yeah. and, and your costs, you might be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that, that, that covers the 10, which, I mean, was really cool. We're, we're at 40 minutes here, but I, I feel yeah. a few more few more points because we talked about Atlas and, and yep. some, some other CTF-type tools yep. and uh, yeah. So maybe maybe highlight some of those things quickly for us uh, to yep. kind of round out things. Sure. So I, I brought three resources, you know, that I, I think that like, you know, if you bring it back to the real world, what do you want to be like looking at as a business or a practitioner, right? And so if you're a practitioner or business, another project you can look at on top of this new alpha OWASP top 10 is uh, MITRE Atlas. So MITRE runs uh, a whole bunch of security projects. Um, and, you know, one that people are very familiar with is, uh, MITRE ATT&CK framework, right, in the industry. The other one is uh, that they have right now is MITRE ATLAS, which is the Adversarial Threat Landscape for Artificial Intelligence Systems. So that's what ATLAS stands for. And it maps out attacks on ML and AI. And so although these are, um, you know, uh, larger 
um, sets of you know attacks. Uh, there's a lot of good information there to learn about these things, and they have some published uh, attacks here. So like when you get into like data poisoning and like how that happens, well they'll link you to you know um, Microsoft Swift API and the you know, instance of how that was poisoned and you know started you know doing bad stuff. And you know, so they'll show some. They'll link back to both a description of some of these vulnerabilities and they categorize it a little bit differently. But um, it is a good resource to look at. So MITRE Atlas is one. The other one is a blog by Daniel Meisler, and it is called the AI Attack Surface Map Version 1.0. Um, it's on his blog, danielmeisler.com. And so what Dan did is he's a real future thinker, and we talk all the time. And so what he did is he outlined what the future is going to look like, like the I've been talking about, where how users will access you know, APIs that are powered by LLMs and what they're connected to. And then he wrote down, you know, the attack surface for each area in that model, um, which is kind of the first time I've seen this done. It's the best way I've seen it done so far. He has a visualization for it and a whole blog around it. So I would suggest reading that. Um, it's really, really good. The AI attack surface map 1.0. Um, and then the last one is like, just if you want to get, you know, if you're just a, you know, a practitioner, and you want to get used to prompt injection there, there have been a couple of prompt injection CTFs. One of the ones that's still up that you can play with is, uh, is called Gandalf. And it's, um, it's gandalf.lakura.ai, L-A-K-E-R-A.ai. And it is that um, CTF to, it has seven levels and you have to bypass this wizard who's blocking a password and you ask it natural language questions. And this will give you a feeling for like, you know, what prompt injection really looks like and how to do it. And um, this, is a, this is a really good intro for people to understand, um, you know, prompt injection and, and some of that stuff. So those are the resources that you can get started with. But if you're a business and you're looking at implementing, I check out, I check out the attack surface map. Um, I would also follow Dan because uh, he's talking about defensive measures and you know oracles and firewalls that we'll put in front of this stuff. And um, he's really, really he has an AI daily, AI security daily um, tweet he puts out every day. So um, I would follow Dan and kind of what he's doing there. And then you know, like several of you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about is how did the security industry you know parse all mm -hmm. of this and what's going to mm -hmm. you know happen with the security industry when LLMs are a core um, piece of the technology and uh, it's. It's crazy. It's in my opinion, next year and the year after, when we go to RSA and meet up again, we see each other again. Um, it's going to look much, much different because the one thing LLMs do do very, very well is parse massive amounts of data very quickly um, and give you context that you didn't have before. So if you can, if we can limit the hallucination and you know ratchet down the settings for these LLMs, uh, many of our security tools will be natural language tools, which will be very interesting. And you will have less abstraction um, in some of these, you know, areas. Like, uh, I'll give you one example. I like to tell people, like DLP yeah. right now. So DLP is about to be totally revolutionized. Where you know these technologies we used to, you know, need a hardcore agent, and um, you know, like it didn't do a very good job of classifying, you know, data sensitivity for anything leaving its rightful place. Uh, now you will be able to use an LLM to read an entire document and tell you uh, the sensitivity, nature, and exactly what that document should be classified as uh, with the right, you know, prompting and the right model. Um, and you won't have to have an agent anymore. You can run it all through, you know, your network layer or your cloud layer, your data transfer layer. Um, and so, an industry that, you know, in my opinion, was on its last legs because it wasn't doing super well. 
will now be possible because of LLMs, basically. Um, and yeah. so this will be the same thing with SOC tier one, same thing with like, you know, some offensive security stuff. The world is going to look very different in security because of the power of these tools in the next coming years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's super exciting. And yeah. uh, hopefully because they're security companies, they're, they're considering the, the first part of this conversation is they're doing yeah. these implementations. <laughs> yeah. You're hoping, yeah. You're hoping a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to do a, a plug for you in the, the AI village. Um, and I'm going to invite you now to, to bring the team back as we get closer to, uh, to DEF CON to give us a deeper insight into, uh, look inside to what's going on at the AI village that week. But, uh, I think that's, it's another fantastic place to come together with people who are also interested in this yeah. right? and are exploring, no, a lot of people know a lot of things. Nobody knows everything. And nope. together we, we kind of learn and raise the bar across yep. the board and yep. the villages overall are perfect for that. And the uh, villages so they, are great. Yeah. 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 So the AI village is a great place to, uh, to meet in person and yeah. to, uh, to, to see things in, in real life and, and check, check out what's really going on. So yep. a plug there, I'll, I'll, I'll include a link to the, to the village too. So folks perfect. can, folks can follow that yeah we'll we'll have live stuff and we'll have the talks in the village it's it's one yeah. of the biggest spaces that the ai village has had so um there'll be lots to do for sure love it yeah i'm excited for that chat and uh yeah. we'll, we'll get an update on the the, the state of the, the state of llm nlm uh, yeah. security at that time when we when we chat again yeah well jason this has been super insightful for me i hope uh I, i'm certain people listening are are thinking very differently now about uh, just throwing something up on on their sites and or in their in their organizations and and hoping for the best. Yeah. And uh, yeah. thanks to thanks to the team at uh, OWASP for making this happen. And and uh, yeah, so we're gonna we'll include lots of links for everybody to continue learning. And uh, of course, your profile, Jason. So folks who want to reach out to you, they can they can try to connect with you. Awesome. Sounds good. <laughs> Right on. Well, thanks everybody for uh, for listening to this episode. Um, of course, if you enjoyed it, share it with uh, your friends, family, friend, uh, peers, foes, whomever, and uh, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks again, Jason. Thanks. Pentera, the leader in automation security validation, allows organizations to continuously test the integrity of all cybersecurity layers by emulating real-world attacks at scale to pinpoint the exploitable vulnerabilities and prioritize remediation towards business impact. Learn more at Pentera.io. Imperva is the cybersecurity leader whose mission is to protect data and all paths to it with a suite of integrated application and data security solutions. Learn more at imperva.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Redefining Security Podcast. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share itspmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.
insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.